this weekend, as we record this, Comic-Con exploded with Doctor Who merchandise and Doctor Who news all over the place. It seems that things couldn't possibly be better for Doctor Who, and then I read the news today. Oh, boy. Uh, Today on the Two Minute Time Lord podcast is a time dilation edition, and we're going to be talking about uh, the current state of the BBC, how things are going, and how some developments this week might pose some challenges for the venerable broadcaster and, let us not forget, the home of Doctor Who. I'm Chip Sutterth, and this is the Two Minute Time Lord Podcast. With me today, since you don't want to hear me talking all by myself for longer than two minutes, you may not want to hear me talk by myself for any length of time, honestly, is the one and only Toby Haydoke. Toby, how are you, sir? I'm very well, and they'd be fools not to want to hear you talk. <laughs> you flatter me, sir. Toby Haydock is, of course, if you're half a Doctor Who fan, you know him for uh, all of his work on the Who's Round podcast, on any number of documentaries, and uh, sad to say, obituaries. Uh, the sort of the on-call gentleman for um, uh, obits for the Guardian, if I recall correctly. Yeah, Guardian and the Independent, but I'm a gen- generally a, a harbinger of doom for 1960s and 70s character actors in the more liberal parts of the British press, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, let's not forget uh, Moths Ate My Doctor Who Scarf and its uh, successor. Um, Toby, uh, before we get into this, you've also just done a radio play for BBC4, haven't you? Uh, BBC Radio 4, yes. Uh, It was broadcast, as we record this, um, four or five days ago, yes, in the afternoon. And what's it called and what's it about? It's called The Dad Who Fell to Earth, and it's about a fellow whose dad dies suddenly and they don't say goodbye because the guy was too busy and you take your dad for granted and all that sort of thing. And when he starts going through his dad's things in his dad's shed, which was where his dad hung out, he he discovers um, some recordings that suggest that perhaps his dad wasn't a daughter's-door salesman, but was in fact an alien spy from a distant world uh, whose job was to uh, report back to his alien masters and persuade them not to destroy mankind for being unworthy. Or it's about a guy who never got to say goodbye to his dad and is upset and creates this fantasy in order to enable himself to say goodbye. And it's never quite revealed which, and it's a sort of comedy drama, but it's really about um, grief and loss and how we come to terms with things. Is it available on the BBC Radio iPlayer, perchance? Yes, yes, I don't know how it works in the States, but it's available on BBC Radio iPlayer, and it's also, I think, part of the BBC Radio Drama podcast. Um, and I'm sure there are other... It's out there, I think. Um, <laughs> so, but yes, it's certainly, it's certainly on iPlayer for the next 25 days, as, as all um, BBC Radio dramas are. They're on for about 30 days after, after broadcast. And if, if that's not enough, it's got Ronald Pickup, uh, who, as well as being uh, one of the country's finest classical actors, is uh, was also in episode four of The Reign of Terror as the physician, uh, <laughs> which was actually his very first job out of drama school before embarking upon an illustrious uh, stage career and, and indeed film and television career. He's one of our finest actors, and I'm absolutely flabbergasted he agreed to be in it, but he is. Well, we will make a point of having people check it out on uh, the BBC iPlayer. Now, this was presented for BBC Radio 4, which is part of the British Broadcasting Corporation, which is 
under a little bit of a cloud these days. Now, a couple of years ago, I did a series of podcasts about uh, the BBC. This is around the same time that the license fee was uh, under uh, some scrutiny. Mitch Ben had released his I'm Proud of the BBC single, which was lovely. And everybody thought that, okay, we can breathe for a while. And then there was an election, and now... The BBC is about to be subjected to something called a green paper by uh, the newly unified uh, Tory government um, over in, in, in Britain. Just in in layman's terms, uh, what's this? What's this about, Toby? Well, it's about the ever popular license fee, which I think is partially unpopular because of the way that it is it is spun, really, uh, in terms of, and I think because it's. Uh, obligatory and you know the conservative party which tends to be a, a more of a sort of free market party than than say a, a left-wing socialist party would be so therefore are not great fans of the license fee and the bbc as well because i think they see the bbc as being biased and a lot of the right-wing press which is the majority and most most influential press in this country see the bbc as being biased my particular take on that but I'll put my cards on the table and say I'm, I'm a, a sort of, of a liberal outlook um, is that we need the BBC as a the BBC isn't necessarily particularly uh, left-wing I would say I said what what it is 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 it, it, it because it is something that is paid for for by us all it therefore has to represent everybody even minority views which is why in in the press that gun for the BBC like the Sun and the Daily Mail and yeah the Sun particularly Rupert Murdoch's um, stream of the press you will not see those views represented so if you see a bbc political program it has to balance it out it's been its charter it has to strive for balance uh, whereas a newspaper we have a, f- a free press does not have to do that so therefore if a newspaper is you know owned by very rich people and represents you know the businesses that advertise within it etc etc people that get lost there are the voices that get heard the least uh whereas and the only place therefore in the press that has an obligation to represent those is um something that is funded by the entire population and that therefore has that as part of its remit and i think the the, the danger that we might lose with any anything happening to the bbc which let's not forget is envied around the world i always find it bizarre that um nationalist sort of uk politicians and parties seem to denigrate the NHS and the BBC, which are the two things for which we're sort of envied around the world. Uh, their way of seeing it is that, you know, quality will out. The, uh, I mean, there is something to be said for the idea that the BBC shouldn't necessarily be doing, you know, overly populist television, but it's caught between a rock and a hard place because if it puts on a programme that is could be deemed quality but doesn't get high viewing figures, you know, it's why have they spent your money on this Chekhov play full of left-wing actors or whatever. So, so it, has to, it has to do stuff that justifies the licence fee. But, but the other way of seeing it is going, well, it should do the stuff that the, there is a commercial alternative, so therefore the BBC shouldn't chase ratings. And I have some sympathy with that. And actually something like Radio 4, you know, is the only place where really now writers can develop and comedians can develop uh, and have a... a, a, a you know, sustained audience. Uh, and, and, you know, Radio 4 is another sort of quality channel that I don't think would necessarily survive in a, in a commercial environment. Now, one of the things that I wanted to bring up about that is that the BBC is a public service broadcaster paid for by uh, license fees. 
and yeah. it creates commercial drama like Doctor Who. Yeah. And in part, Doctor Who exists to pay for the other things that the BBC does that isn't all that commercial, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think the thing to say with all of this is I think Doctor Who's going to be fine. I mean, there was a UKIP, uh, head of UKIP, uh, Nigel Farage, I, I know cited Doctor Who when he was he was gunning for the BBC, but those people are always going to gun for the BBC, no matter how much they dominate um, the political conversation at the moment. It is because they interest news media because they're a, a suddenly resurgent quite right-wing party uh, but I, the, you know i don't think they'll ever hold a particular amount of sway so they can afford to make all sorts of noise so i think doctor who is okay because doctor who is popular um and that element of the bbc i uh, you know i i mean it might it might end up it's difficult because the, pro, the, pro, the way that you know the bbc made programs when classic doctor who was about was totally different from what happens now john burt went in it was an it was a, an acolyte of thatcher basically went in and and quantified the bbc and you can't quantify something that is a qualitative broadcaster and he and, and the bbc as we know it was destroyed by him going in and saying well this studio should cost this much to hire so programs had to then hire their own premises and the BBC Radiophonic Workshop ended up being more expensive to hire music from within the corporation than it did to go down to HMV and buy the, D, the, the CD. And so that's how the BBC as we know it unfurled. And that was Thatcher being quite vengeful upon it um, because of what she saw was bias against her. Again, I just think the public service broadcaster is there to put the opposite view to the one being dominated or, or dominant in the rest of the media and if all if the sun and the mail and all those people are going this is all amazing and there's all these immigrants coming in blah de blah de blah it's up to the bbc to go well the press is saying there's all these immigrants coming in so should we do a program that shows the immigrant side of it or or examines the truth of that critics of the bbc would say that is bias i see it as leveling the playing field but the problem with being a liberal like me is you uh you you're quite happy to hear from everybody else and form your own view. My, my, my problem and my worry with the dominance of the sort of press that Murdoch and Paul Dacre, who's the editor of the Daily Mail, uh, espouse is that you don't give voices to those people and you demonise people. And unfortunately, the, the, the liberal approach will always get beaten by that because, uh, because of the very nature of, of one versus the other. Now, one of the areas in which uh, I got concerned when I uh, read about these stories uh, about the BBC and the Green Paper and all that is it sounds like the government is taking a page from uh, some American uh, political campaigns of recent years attacking the corporation's strength. They called into question, according to the Sunday Times, which supposedly had the Green Paper leaked to them, called into question the... uh, nature of BBC Worldwide, which is the commercial arm of the BBC, which makes the money selling BBC products around the world and funnels that money back to uh, the BBC. So it struck me that the government was actually coming after the uh, BBC, not only in a dollars and cents uh, sense, or I guess a pounds and pence sense or whatever, um, but also on a statement of principles, you know, we don't believe the BBC should exist. We don't believe the BBC should be making shows like, you know, they cited The Voice when commercial networks and ITV and that sort of thing can can do that themselves. So is it conceivable that 
the BBC's scope would be shrunk in such a way that, you know, we might get less Doctor Who in the future, that we might get less Top Gear or uh, um, other shows like that? This, look, this is this is ideology. I think that attack. I mean, we also this worldwide thing has happened before. The idea that BBC has a commercial arm. And what happened was they, for it had to then be sort of subcontracted out, and two entertain became a thing. And Woolworths owned a bit of that, and then Woolworths went bust, and then the, the commercial arm of the, or whatever it was, the BBC almost went bust with it and had to do a massive bailout. So this is what always happens, of course, with. Uh, the argument about whether stuff should make money or not, it was ridiculous in this country because we're told that um, we can't have a, a nationalised, say, rail industry, which is paid for by the taxpayer. Instead, we have a privatised model. And then when that loses money, we, the taxpayer, bail it out. But the difference is that there are shareholders and people who run it who are on massive salaries who, who get bailed out because we need that infrastructure. But we're told that this this private enterprise model is the right one. But when it fails, we're the ones who bail it out. So it's a flawed ideology, but it is ideological. It's it's the equivalent of saying, um, I'm going to spend all my money, Chip, next week on the lottery. And if I win, I'm going to keep all of that money. But if I lose, to bail me out, everybody else has to chip in and pay for it to keep me afloat. You'd all go, that's a ridiculous model. That doesn't work. But it works for our banks. It works for our rail network it works you know so so it's nothing to do with you know they're not looking at the commercial arm of the bbc and suddenly um finding a uh, a money-making model uh, appalling they're looking at they're looking at ways to undermine something that is dangerous to them and the reason it's dangerous to them is because again if done properly and the bbc is not without problems and the bbc the way that it is run at the moment i think has great problems and i think the program making models that the bbc has adopted in recent years uh, have been horribly flawed in many areas however as a principle a public service broadcaster will frighten a certain strain of politicians particularly those who are beholden to the likes of Rupert Murdoch for their power because the main people gunning actually for the BBC are its main competitors which are the Daily Mail, the Sun, Rupert Murdoch, Sky, all of those things. So it's actually nothing to do with principle, it's to do with those people removing a competitor uh, and they're more likely to be able to do that with a conservative government because I, I think a conservative government is potentially harmed by a strong BBC because the BBC is biased, but because the BBC is more likely to ask the questions that show the holes and flaws and inefficiencies and egregiousness of um, those people than Sky News would. One last uh, piece of the puzzle is that the BBC is going to have to give up more money. Uh, up to this point, the government has been paying for the license fees for people over 75, and in the new budget, uh, the BBC's being put on the hook for that as yeah. well. Barefacedly, so it's been under it's been undergoing budget cuts, and then suddenly through the back door, they've gone. Oh, here's another one. Yeah. I mean, it's that that is a that is a, a government with a majority going. We're going to flex our muscles and look out. Uh, it's kind of cow the public service broadcaster. The, the, it, it's paid for by us. It's actually not paid for by the government. It's paid for by the taxpayer. So it shouldn't actually be as answerable to the government as the government is trying to make it. As an American, I benefit from BBC World News. I am entertained by Doctor Who and Sherlock. 
and I begrudgingly admit that other people are entertained by Strictly. Um, in in the words of uh, Mitch Bin, even though I'm not a Briton, I'm proud of the BBC, and I'm proud to be a fan of the BBC's flagship property. Election season has come and gone, but for people in the UK who care about the BBC, how could their voice be heard? How could they say that, you know, to quote a spokesperson from the BBC, uh, the voice of the public will be key and they will have their own view about the merits of BBC programs like Strictly and Sherlock. How can the public share their voice? Well, I mean, again, to, to be slightly balanced about this, he was rather sneakily going, I'm going to mention two very popular programs, uh, which are which are clearly ones that, uh, that, that therefore people go, oh, well, we, we, yes, we don't want those to go. But why did he hold? Why did he hold his fire? Why did he? Why did he keep his powder dry? Why didn't he mention Doctor Who? That would have just been the the trifecta right there. Aha! I wonder. I still think there's a bit of residual shame about the fact that Doctor Who is popular. I don't think the political classes necessarily know how popular Doctor Who is. Um, it's a bit like when judges go, "And who are these Beatles of whom you speak?" What can people do? Well, I think people should demand excellence from the BBC, and I think the BBC you know, doesn't get off scot-free in this debate. I I, th I think the way that certain corners of BBC television run is n nonsensical. You only have to watch W1A, which is <laughs> it's a, quite an accurate uh, satire on, on the way that it is run. I'm surprised it even got through. Um, but there is an executive culture at the BBC that does, I, I think needs heartily addressing. There is a, there is a way that talent is um, harvested from a very small pool of agencies and things like that, which which shows a certain uh, laziness at, at, a, at an executive level. Also, quite a lot of things need need sorting out. So the BBC needs to make sure it's beyond reproach by making great programmes, which are, as we see, largely fueled by by talent. Um, I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this public service service broadcaster making something that's that's commercially successful. If we all knew how to do that we do it all the time so you mentioned encouraging the public to demand excellence in programming from the bbc what else should they do to defend the bbc well it's very difficult because the debate now is so fragmented i mean you know democracy you, you, the, the more democratic we feel because now every our entertainment is bespoke it used to be that there were four channels and you you know you knew which one was doing well because people chose between one of those four uh, and what was on at that particular time. Now, you know, I could watch Doctor Who three weeks later if I wanted to, and it would still register somewhere that it had been watched. Um, so we'd still know that it was popular. So I don't, uh, my, my honest answer to you is that I don't know because things are changing so quickly. I think what we have to do is just guard against the very powerful voices that sometimes deny a voice to, to, the, to, the, to the people that, that most need it. And, um, and, and be aware of of, uh, of the voices that, that seek to, I don't know, to sort of victimise and belittle the, the, the smaller person at the expense of the bigger one. Um, but that's all very ideological and not very practical. What can people do? I don't know. Um, keep watching the skies. No. Um, keep watching, <laughs> you know, watch the BBC, cherish the BBC, get your news from more than one source. And I think, get down on your knees and pray, because I think the next five years is going to be very interesting. Well, Doctor Who exists in part to make all of the great public service work of the BBC possible, and 
exists for its own sake, to be a shining example of drama for the whole family. And it's a show that has embraced around the world from the basis of being created by this public service broadcaster. So as uh, somebody from across the pond, I'll be watching this as well, because um, it's not just self-serving. I want my Doctor Who to be safe and secure and funded adequately, but I want the the network that creates it to be strong as well. Toby, thank you so much for uh, helping this American understand what's going on over there. <laughs> well, I hope I didn't get too tongue-tied by the end, uh, but thank you. Yes, good. 